encouraging. That's good. You guys can go ahead and be seated. When you live where everybody else vacations, your vacation ends up looking a little bit differently. And I know that it's different for the rest of the nation, but it's normal for us because when we go on vacation, we don't typically go somewhere tropical. And I'm speaking for Southwest Florida as a whole here, but it seems like there's this theme that most of us are like, okay, it's Tennessee, it's North Carolina, it's North Georgia, it's a little bit cooler. It's a lake you can swim in without getting bit by an alligator. Like it's those kind of places that we like to go to. And my family has been doing that for a few years. And we've been doing it from the time our kids were small. And what we would do is we'd get a house that backs up to a lake and we would tie a rope to the dock and we'd we'd tie a bunch of rafts to it and just kind of let it float out as far as it would go. And that for our kids was kind of like the limit, okay? That's how far you can go. You can be on the rafts, but we don't want you deeper. We don't want you further than this because if you float off to the middle of the lake, I'm gonna have to swim out and get you. And since you're on the raft, I won't have one. And that's just not very vacation-ish for me. And so that's what we're gonna do. But we've quickly seen as our kids have grown, it just seems like the most exciting stuff is out of the reach of the rope. And in fact, like as we've had a paddleboard on the last couple of vacations, it's like this paddleboard was not meant to just be tied to a rope that's tied to the dock. The dirt on the other side of the lake looks so exciting. I just want to go over there and get a stick or a rock or something. Like it, it's just, all the fun is over there, dad. And there's just kind of this calling out towards deeper water that they kind of developed as they've grown older. Like the shallow water was just not where the fun is. And so even just this vacation, it was one of those things. I said, okay, fine, go for it. Like go do the deep water thing, go explore some. And there's that natural tendency that as we grow, we don't want to just be in the shallow water anymore. And that same natural tendency should exist within the church of understanding this spiritually. Like I start off and, and there is a way that a new believer is. There's a way that a new believer speaks. There's the things that a new believer understands and does not yet understand. And I want to show you this today as we continue our series called The Story, as we're looking at some of the teachings of Jesus, that Jesus, he has nothing against the crowd. In fact, he would show compassion on the crowd so many times. He would feed the crowd. He would love the crowd. He would speak the same teachings to them, but he would call people out of the crowd and he would call them into something deeper that is challenging And it would involve risk and difficulty and being uncomfortable. And today we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bible, we can start flipping there. But to just give you some context, in Mark 4 alone, Jesus is teaching and a crowd develops and he's right by the seaside. And, And they're having good church. I mean, like people are showing up. People are excited. It's so much that he gets into a boat and he's teaching from the water preaching from a boat just sounds awesome to me. Like it's going, things are good. And as it's going, he calls some of the people out. And and so just a few of the things he taught on, he taught about the parable of the farmer and the seed. He taught about a parable, how a seed, it goes into the ground and no one can tell that anything's happening. But something is happening outside of people's eyes and something is growing and they can't control it. And they can't see it, but it's happening. And that's how the gospel is. He teaches the parable about the mustard seed. How it just takes a little bit of faith. 
And then as he wraps up that message, he calls his disciples out, those who want to follow him, and he takes them out and they leave that evening. Their boats were not equipped with GPS. And so they head out and they're navigating by the stars and they're navigating by their memory. And it says that they just left. Like they didn't go and change clothes. Like they just left. They just hit the water. Jesus was like, we're going now. And some of the boats followed them and and they were heading out. And then that's where we're going to pick up the passage. And we'll put this up on the screen. Gospel of Mark chapter four, verse 35 and verse 36. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Jesus had compassion on the crowds, but the crowds weren't his end goal. His end goal was not popularity. His end goal was development and depth within people. That they would understand how great the depth and the love is from their heavenly father, how wide it was, how deep it was. And the experience of getting them to understand this required moving them out of the comfort of the crowd. And this is a really interesting passage because they're about to get into a storm in a second here. He is actually taking them out of the comfort of where everyone else would be, out of the comfort and the protected covering of people's homes and bringing them out into the middle of the ocean. And in this, as a storm develops around them in just a moment, you know, they're navigating by the stars. What happens when the storm moves in and covers all the stars? What happens when the waves and the water gets rough? And you think to yourself, Jesus, you called me into this. God, why would you call me into something that is difficult? Without preparation, without extra, it was just this this calling of let's go. And, And the disciples, they just went. And I love that. And that shows a spiritual depth that sets them apart from the crowd. But we're gonna see in a minute that I don't know that they were necessarily ready for the lesson that God was ready for them to learn. And if you have that feeling of, you know, you're in something that maybe is beyond your spiritual depth right now, God is comfortable with that. But don't miss the lesson. Don't miss the fact that if he's calling you out of comfort, if he's calling you out of a situation where you felt safe, if you felt like, okay, I have the dock line, I know that I'm right where where I can control things. Like he's calling you away from what you know and what you know is safe. That's That's an okay place to be. As the passage continues in verse 37, it says, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, For clarity's sake, because we don't use the term squall very often in Southwest Florida, uh, the, the, the comparison would be about a level three hurricane wind. That's what we're talking about. And if it operated as a cyclone, the, the wind would continue to change directions, which would make it impossible for them to, one, even know where they're going because the cloud cover is covering the way that they would navigate and two, impossible to control. And then three, the waves are breaking over the side of the boat. These were fishermen that were used to storms, but this storm was significant enough 
that it had them freaking out because the boat was taking on water and it was getting swamped to the point where it was going to lose its buoyancy and it was going to sink. And there was nothing that they could do. They felt powerless. And all at the same time, they knew in their mind, this is Jesus's fault. Does that reaction feel similar to you? God, this is your fault. It's your fault that I feel this way. It's your fault that this is happening. I I, want to make sure we absorb the tension that they didn't get the message wrong from God. They didn't get the message wrong from Jesus when Jesus said, hey, we're leaving right now and we're heading out to sea right now. Jesus was leading them straight into a storm. He was leading them straight into difficulty. He was leading them straight into an experience where their faith would be shown for what it is. Because as much as we'd like to argue it, the faith didn't cause that reaction. The faith, their, the, their, the situation didn't cause that reaction. The situation exposed their faith. That's what difficulty does. It exposes what we are closer to the heart level. Like normally we're able to keep certain emotions and angers under check because everything else is calm. But when you remove some of that firewall because of stress and anxiety, deeper pieces of our heart are shown. And the way that they responded to Jesus was, don't you care? In the middle of difficulty, their reaction was to question God's affection, to question God's commitment, to question God's love for them because they couldn't see the whole picture of what was going on. They could only see the fear that was next to them. And when, when you hear the title, Prince of Peace, as referred to Jesus, I think we usually think of him sitting on a throne in majesty, but maybe we should think of the Prince of Peace. He is so peaceful that he is sleeping on a cushion when everyone else is losing their minds. When we are completely freaked out because of what is happening in our life, happening in our job, happening in our relationships, happening in our family, when we are losing it, he is just fully at peace because he knows what happens before and what what happens after. And I will confidently say that if the disciples had a better understanding of who it was that was in the boat with them, their hearts wouldn't have been troubled. They might've reached the point where they're like, okay, Jesus, we're ready to see you work now. Like we know we're we're okay because you're with us because that should be the sentiment that even if the storm is coming and even if it's more than what we could handle, if Jesus is in the boat, we're okay. Like it's possible to be in the storm, but have the storm not be inside of you. It's possible to be in a room where other people are yelling, but your heart is at peace because you have confidence in who you are and who God has said you are. And so you won't get trapped up into their emotional rage and storm because you have peace in the middle of the storm because you know who is with you. It's possible to be in a storm and be okay. But yet where their faith was, they were in a storm and they were terrified. And I don't know what you think is more advantageous. Different generations of history will argue about it differently. You know, and we look at them and they're like, you had Jesus in the boat in person. What were you afraid of? 
They would argue with you and say, you have the Holy Spirit, his presence with you at all times. What are you afraid of? Like Jesus said that it's better that I go so that I can send the counselor, the Holy Spirit to you and he will empower you to be his witness throughout all the world. You guys are better off than we were. Like we, well, we're good at arguing with each other. I get that. But I want to tell you, if you think that you would just naturally say, well, I, if I saw Jesus, I wouldn't freak out the way that they would. Man, I don't know. But those situations, what they do is they expose the current depth of your faith. And Jesus will very intentionally lead you away from shallow waters into deeper waters so that you can clearly see who you are. One of the functions of the word of God, it compares it to a mirror and it shows us things about ourselves. It, it, it'll actually slice and cut and divide our motives in, in the way that we do things. And we'll learn things about ourselves. And some of the things that we learn about ourselves, we will not like it when we see it. And then we will make a decision whether we allow the time and the experience in the word of God to shape us into the image of Christ, or if we will grow callous and deaf to his voice, if we will quench the working of the Holy Spirit in our life and step back to shallow waters. Jesus had intention in bringing them out there. He, he was exposing doubts that we didn't even know were there. He was exposing them to an experience that, that would help them learn about him and about themselves. I'll, I'll compare it to this. Um, I, I, I've been very open that I love being out on the water. And a boating story, you know you're going to get some boating stories out of me. Um, I, I grew up on a commercial fishing boat. And I remember from the time like I could walk just running around on the boat and, and loving it. And so it was a surprise to me when I got into high school and I went out on the boat um, in South America with my dad that we're out there, I'm loving life. I, I just enjoy it so much being on the open water. And all of a sudden I get violently seasick. Like that had never happened to me before. And so it, it was quite the shock um, the, the fishermen didn't mind because, you know, just more chum in the water, like the fish love it, like they'll, they'll come right up to the boat. And, and unfortunately, unless I'm on a boat for like seven days straight or unless I take Dramamine before I go on a boat, I will get violently ill. But I will tell you this, I love fishing so much that even if I forget to take my Dramamine and I'm already on the boat, I'm still going out because I, I like fishing enough to chum the waters with my breakfast if I have to, because I'm gonna go fishing. If it's, if it's big waves and wind and rain, if the other people on the boat are down for it, I'm still going out because I like fishing. Even if I have to pay marina price gas to put in the boat, we're going fishing. If I need to buy new fishing gear, we're going fishing. I will pay some heavy costs. And some of the men in the, in the room were like, yep, that, that's how it goes. Some of the women are like, if I have to pay for that name brand that I want for the purse or for the shoes, I'm going to work the extra shifts because I want it. I'll pay the, we will pay costs for all kinds of things. But why is it in the American church that when we begin to pay costs for our faith, we step back to shallow waters? Why is it when it gets difficult for time, for money, for heartache, you pick what it is when, it, when God calls us to a deeper place in our faith that makes us uncomfortable. We say, well, I'm just not comfortable with that yet. And so I'm going to stay over here in the kiddie pool. 
to be a follower of Christ is to recognize that at times you're going to follow him into uncomfortable waters. And he's going to lead you there to, and it's not causing a reaction in you, but it's exposing a heart condition in you that he wants to work out of you. Those times and those trials, they should not be wasted because this is the doom loop that some people get in. They start to grow in their faith and they say, okay, I'm going to let out a little bit of the dock line. I'm going to get a little bit further away from safe harbor. And it starts to get uncomfortable. And we say, nope, right back into shallow waters, right back into old habits, right back into old self. And then we listen to a little praise and worship music. We do our quiet time a few days in a row. We start to study the word of God. We start to recognize I need to get further away from those behaviors. We get uncomfortable. And there's something in our psyche that says when you get uncomfortable, God would never want you to be uncomfortable. He would never want you to do something you're not fully ready to do yet. So run back to safety. And it's a lie that we've believed when we look at the model that he gave his followers he would lead them into difficult situations to develop in them something that was worth more than gold and definitely worth more than comfort. And so I want to challenge maybe something that has just been seated in the back of your mind that all of my spiritual life should just feel like naturally falling in love. Some of your spiritual life is going to feel difficult. It's going to feel like heartache. It's going to be a battle with your flesh to get up and serve and do what you know you must do. And it's one of the ways that you know that it's Jesus leading you and not your flesh leading you because you know this isn't natural to me, but I know that this is the calling of God. Jesus will lead us into uncomfortable waters that expose our doubt. One of the things that we do when we get in those uncomfortable waters is we get very accusational with God. God, why are you? God, what is wrong with you? God, don't you care that I'm going to drown? Listen to me. All clarity. God loves you more even than you love you. God loves the people you, you know and you care about more than you could even understand. He cares. He does. And difficult, difficult things come into our life for lots of different reasons, but no matter the reason that it comes to, into our life, he will always make it beneficial in some way. He can always take it and turn it and use it for your good if you'll allow him. But I believe some of us are just wasting these storms where God is trying to show us something, but we're trying to preserve our comfort and we miss the message. I want you to see what happened in this passage. They, they say, don't you care? In verse 39, it says that he got up. He got up from his nap. He got up from the peaceful rest that he was having on a cushion or a hammock on the boat. The, the word is the same for hammock or cushion. He may have been sleeping in a hammock while they were panicking. It's just a funny sight to me. He got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm and they were terrified. And they asked each other, who is this? 
that even the wind and the waves obey him. That would freak you out right there. For him to display the power that when he speaks, the wind and the waves obey him. I would not want to be the person who was just like, Jesus, don't you even care? Told the waves to shut up. What is he about to say to me next after I got mouthy with him? <laughs> not the, in the time of panic, it's probably not the right time to verbally, verbally attack the person who has the most power on the boat. Don't you even care? I, oh man, one of the, this is one of my favorite things about the passage is how imperfect of a prayer they brought to Jesus. It was not the most poetic way to ask Jesus to help. Don't you care? It, it was not something that was well thought out. It was something that I believe was just an emotional reaction to the situation. It was reflective of unhealthy things that were in their heart and in their mind that they would question Jesus in the moment. But at least they turned to the right person. They didn't trust in the circumstances. They didn't try to, to talk to a different God. They didn't try to just rely on each other. They, they turned to Jesus and in a very imperfect way, cried out for help. And God will answer an imperfect prayer in a perfect way. And I love that about his nature. He is so kind. He is so good. He is so loving. He doesn't wait for you to get everything orderly in your mind. Even when you're stressed out and you're freaked out, if you call upon his name, he will speak into your situation. And I love that about this passage. So say you're hurting right now. Say you're going through stress and anxiety right now. And you don't think you can pray to him in the right way right now. Just pray to him where your heart is because even as you speak to him, your heart gets to a better place. Don't try to fix your heart and then talk to him. Talk to him first. He is the one who has the power to change even the way the wind and the waves move. And so as the water is coming in and the disciples' feet are getting wet because the boat is getting swamped, they cry out to him and he tells the waves, quiet and be still. And he asks them in verse 40, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Remember earlier that day he was teaching, if you just have just the tiny faith of a mustard seed, you just have a little bit, that'll be enough. They must have had like a quarter of a mustard seed that day. You haven't seen, you haven't heard, you, have, you haven't experienced enough to know that if I'm with you in the boat, then you're going to be okay. Do you still have no faith? I, I, I'm a realist in things. And so I understand when, when it gets difficult, our blood pressure rises. The things that we say aren't always reflective of what we would like to say. We are often better in the argument that we had later that night when we lay and we think about it in our bed. Some of y'all know, like you, you still lay in bed at night and think about an argument you had months or years ago and how you know what to say right now. 
Like you understand, we don't always speak what we would like to speak in the moment. But one of the things that scripture tells us, like in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it, it says that one of our callings is to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. When you are in crisis and stress, your first thought will not always be the right thought. But one of the things that the Spirit of God is supposed to help us do, that as we allow him, those thoughts of panic, we turn them to thoughts of worship because we understand who is in the boat with us. And the demonstration of Jesus' power at work in that boat, it produced a holy terror in them. It shook them to their soul when they thought their life was over. They couldn't see the stars. The waves are coming over the boat. The wind is powerful. They can't control where the boat is going. They, they are completely powerless in the situation. And he spoke and it all went calm and it terrified their heart. Because when your ego gets put into check, because our ego is typically not in a healthy place, we think we control a whole lot more. And it's usually not until we have a near-death experience where we recognize how fragile this life is. And they had that moment and they saw the power of God at work through the person of Jesus and it terrified them. And it brought their faith to a deeper place that they couldn't get to unless they went through the storm. And so middle of the story, they're like, I wish I was like the crowd, the crowd of people that we left behind that are warm and safe in their beds. That's how they felt in the middle of the storm. But once God acted at the end of the storm and he put the storm to rest, they were like, I wish everyone could have seen that. I'm going to tell people that and they're not going to be able to believe it. And even if they believe it, they won't be able to feel it. But that lesson was only learned through the trial. And I've heard this testimony from some of you guys who've walked through a cancer diagnosis and you've seen God's healing hand at work on your life. That you've walked through incredible difficulties in your career and you trusted God and you walked with integrity and he opened up a door that no man could shut. And these are lessons that are only learned through some of the greatest heartaches of life, but they produce in us the greatest ability to worship that other people just can't fathom because they haven't felt it. They haven't seen it. They don't know it because they've been in shallow waters. And if you guys will come up, I'm going to begin to wrap this up. It's one of those things, it's like me with my kids. It's like there's this dock line. I only want you to go this deep yet because you're not, you're not big enough. But as they grow, they understand there's greater things that are out of reach of this dock line. But some of us have reached our 40s, our 50s, our 60s, our 70s. And our faith is like that of a toddler, just staying in the shallow end. Because every time God begins to make us get uncomfortable, it's like we just want to get closer and closer to the shallowest of waters and stay comfortable because we have misunderstood what spiritual development looks like. We say, if it's uncomfortable, it must be bad. But if you follow Jesus, he's going to say, I need you to let go of the rope. I need you to let go of control. I need you to let me take you through a storm so you can worship and understand in a way that you've never understood before. 
Uh, I, I've, I came across this quote a couple years ago. It's attributed to Charles Spurgeon because it shadows something that he preached in one of his messages that you can't really find a direct quotation of him, but it's attributed to him. He said, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. The rock of ages is another term for God, for our heavenly father. And when we have these trials that like, like a wave would throw a boat up against the rocks and it, and it seems terrible and it seems destructive, but these waves, these trials that hit our life and they force us to the feet of our heavenly father, they seem like terrible things at first, but they are beneficial. They are blessings. This is why James chapter one, verse two and three, it says, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing, the trials, they produce something in you that is worth more than gold, but they will cost you your comfort. They will expose in you something that maybe you don't want to see. But your heavenly father is so good. He's so wise. He's so loving. There's a blessing on the other side of that storm that when you look back with the hindsight, say, this was worth any cost. So I want to challenge you to look at your situation a little bit differently. To have the faith to say, if Jesus is in this boat with me, I'm, I know I'm going to be okay. I know I can trust him. I know he'll see me through to the other side. And when you can see your storms that way, you're going to find the blessing. You're gonna find the joy. You're gonna find the peace that the people who are back on the shore can only imagine. Let's pray together. We thank you that the waves of life are all in submission to our Savior. Thank you that we have Jesus who cries out on our behalf and that even when our prayers are imperfect and our attitude it just isn't quite right, that you hear and you act and you guide and you lead. And so, Father, our heart is ready to follow. And as we follow you through whatever is ahead, may it produce in us a pure and authentic and meaningful, deep worship that only comes from the knowledge of knowing you more and more. We thank you for the trials. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with us as we sing.